0: As soon as I put the white noise on, it was just like he just fell asleep on my shoulder almost instantaneously. And then last night he did really well and I had the white noise much closer to his crib. And I'd read somewhere that someone said, You have to have it louder than you think you have to have it for them to for it to really work. But I've also read in a few places that it can damage their hearing. White noise for babies is can actually be a bit damaging. So what is the right balance and how do you how do you do that?
1: In today's chat with Cass, we talk about white noise in the context of getting little ones to sleep better. This week, Max is experiencing very short day sleeps of only 30 to 45 minutes. And so we look at what's normal in terms of normal sleep cycles and how to help babies link sleep cycles at this age. We chat about health issues like thrush, nappy and diaper rash, and the value of probiotics, as well as reflux and how to prevent little ones from spitting up so much. So stay tuned for this one as we explore early health and sleep issues with Cass and her little one, Max.
2: Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by Parent Sense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host Meg Forer is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the Sense app, and catch me here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host.
1: Welcome back. I'm Meg Fora, and I am so excited to journey with mums and dads through the highs and lows of each week of parenting. And today we welcome back Cass and look at the life of a one month old. In fact, Max is actually five weeks old today, isn't he, Cass?
0: He is. Happy five weeks, Maximo. <laughs>
1: Happy birthday. And he's been a smiley bundle. But of course, no baby is all roses and cuddles. So how has it been this week, Cass? Yes,
0: certainly the last two days have been a bit more challenging because he's decided that In the day, he doesn't really want to sleep for more than 30 to 45 minutes. I mean, luckily, he's not crying too much. But if you're trying to get anything done as a (laughs) mum, you really rely on those long even a two hour sleep in the morning I could Mm. get a lot done and we I had a a bit of work I needed to do yesterday and so we'd been talking about how it was going to be the first day that Alex um, was going to do a feed so I'd expressed and he was going to do a feed and then I would have at least two hours because he'd do the feed Max would have a sleep and I'd have plenty of time to get my work done
1: (laughs) that Um, didn't happen well,
0: I it, it, it did only because Alex went and walked the lanes. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up yesterday, Alex had to take Max for a walk and he slept for half an hour on that hour-long walk, whereas usually he'd fall asleep at the start of the walk and that would be it. Mm, We'd, yeah. you know, He'd sleep for the whole walk and beyond. So we, he took him for a walk. That didn't really work. He still only did half an hour. Then we both thought, well, we'll go for a drive. I hadn't got out the house that yet, so we went for a drive. And sure enough, exactly 30 minutes he did. He fell asleep on the drive, fine, no problem. And we got home and brought him in and he woke up within yeah, the 30, I think he did 45 minutes. So eventually at the end of the day, I was exhausted. He hadn't slept. And I, we just said he needs to get some sort of sleep because otherwise tonight is just going to be horrific Mm. and so Alex went and drove around the island for an hour (laughs) (laughs) which was so nice for me because I just was able to kind of breathe (laughs) and sort some stuff out that I hadn't been able to do all day and he did and then of course he refused to wake up but he ended up we had to wake him to do bath and bedtime Mm. because he'd been asleep for two and a half hours
1: (laughs) isn't it amazing
0: Um, yeah so if he was a girl I think I think we'd have called him Mary because he was being particularly contrary
2: yesterday.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, it certainly happens. And I think it, it kind of speaks to two things. The one is that, you know, and this is with all parenting, and i I'm, Cass, I don't even know that this is ever going to end because it still goes on for me, is that just as you think you've got it all right, and just as you think you've determined a pattern, They upend everything. And I think, particularly with little babies, you know, you you think, okay, I know exactly what time, exactly which bedtime routine works best, exactly how, how to get them to sleep. And then the next day they'll do something like that. That's very different. And I think it's also realizing that babies have on days and off days. And one of the things that I think is helpful whenever you're in a period like that or, you know, kind of an iffy patch is to label it as this is what they're doing today rather than this is a new phase, you know. And if you just have it as just one day, and in fact, I'm quite sure that today he's going to do, you know, long maybe longer stretches potentially. So so you don't need to think that this is now the new pattern. But in the moment it does feel like it's oh my goodness, how am I going to cope with this? I, I do know that.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. And I mean, because this week is the last week of Alex's paternity leave. And I suddenly just thought, oh my word, I've got one week left of Alex and then I'm doing this by myself. And I, you know, I've got, it's sort of quite daunting. It's daunting yeah. anyway, that time when you, you know, the the father goes back to work and we've been really lucky that Alex had six weeks paternity leave.
1: Yeah. That's but, unusual.
2: That's amazing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and, and Jersey is very good for that. But the The kind of catch to that is, I've got very used to having him around, Um, and suddenly I'm, yeah, I'm very lucky. My mum's around the corner because I know a lot of people don't have, you know, mum right there. But it, it, and I've got family on the island, but it is you do sort of. It is quite daunting. And then just as you're leading up to that for him to decide he's going to do very short sleeps, but as you say, I'm hoping it is just. We are back to the doctor again today because his oral thrush still hasn't cleared up. So. Entering into week three of that of, and that's three weeks of him being on medication as well. After having his first week as well on antibiotics, and I really don't like the fact that he's he's having to have so much medication. But that's the thrush gives him mild nappy rash as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you sort of think, well, all of the bits where you are niggly, or you do have those days where you're not seeing. Is it? You, you can't have is it because of this Could it be physiological of it? Yeah. yeah how do we get rid of it and it's you just feel so i feel so sad for him because he, he's had about 3 days of his life in those 5 weeks where he hasn't had something wrong with him yeah so yeah.
1: so it's yeah yeah I mean the other thing you you talk about that kind of thirty minute waking up, and it is absolutely classic. I think almost every mum who 's got a baby between about five weeks old and twelve weeks old is probably going through something like this. so what babies typically do and you know sleepers is very interesting because it actually is it happens in cycles that are very similar universally. So most babies sleep for very long stretches until about four weeks old. So that can almost be from like one feed to the next feed. So they can literally go down and sleep for three hours and then have the next feed. you know so you have these very long stretches of sleep and they tend to link sleep cycles very well. And then at around about four or five weeks they actually stop linking those sleep cycles and they start waking up in the light sleep state of every single sleep cycle. A little bit about sleep. We we spend about the first 15 minutes of our sleep time in a very light state of sleep where we can be very easily woken and, and roused. And then we go into our deep state of sleep. And just a bit of a backstory, as you drop from that light state of sleep into a deep state of sleep, you have what's called a hypnagogic startle, which I might've mentioned before on another podcast. And what that actually is, is, and it happens for all of us, as we go into a deep state of sleep, our muscles lose tone. And that's because um, it actually is, it's a a defensive mechanism or protective mechanism to prevent us from acting out in our dreams. So when we are Um, in a deep sleep, we're actually paralyzed. The the messages from our brain don't go to our muscles for good reason, because otherwise, you know, we'd sleepwalk and we'd hit people and (laughs) we'd act out (laughs) on what we're doing. But as we lose that muscle tone, we get this tiny little jerk and you would have experienced it when you were on an airplane, your head kind of drops to the side and you kind of wake yourself up as you lose muscle tone. Now, babies do that at about 15 minutes. Now, this is not what Max is doing because um, otherwise he'd be waking, he'd be catnapping and doing only 15 minute catnaps. So it's actually not what he's doing. He's going through into a deep state of sleep. But once he's in that deep state of sleep, he's in, every time he comes into a light state of sleep, he's actually waking up. And that is between 30 and 45 minutes at this age. It's usually 45 minutes. So he's doing it a little earlier. Babies who do it earlier, it can be because they're uncomfortable. So it might be that that oral thrush that you're speaking about or that nappy rash associated with the thrush. And, you know, sometimes a nappy rash is not just a nappy rash. It actually is thrush on the bum, which is a whole lot more painful. So he could have that. And very, I mean, we can talk more about thrush, but very often thrush affects both the mum's nipples, the baby's mouth, and in fact, their bum as well. So it really is, it's not great. So it could be that he's a little bit uncomfortable. And that's why he's coming up. As soon as he's in that light state of sleep, he really wakes up. So just a couple of things in terms of dealing with that. The one thing is I would definitely watch those awake times. I know that we've spoken about the fact that he does tend to stretch his awake times a little longer. My suggestion would be to pull those back to what the awake times are recommended on the app. And the reason is that if you're overtired, you are actually more likely to to wake. You kind of fall into this deep sleep and then then you kind of wake you know, when when you come into the light sleep state. So that's one is to watch the awake times. Second thing is swaddling definitely helps because swaddling gives us that deep pressure. And I remember us talking about Max and swaddling and that he doesn't necessarily love it. And so if they're not loving swaddling, I mean, I probably would try and persist and swaddle his arms really tightly to see if you can get it so that he can't unravel himself. And then if you can't do that, I'd actually use a little weighted product. So I like You can actually buy them in the stores where you get, they're almost like little barley bags that you can heat in the microwave and pop on your shoulders to relax your muscles. And I would actually get one of those, but not heat it. We never heat anything that we put in your babies. And if he's lying on his back actually pop that just over the bottom of his um, esophagus or where his esophagus meets his tummy as a little weight. And that often keeps them in a, in a day d- deeper state of sleep. And you can actually buy one of these, a product called the Zeki, which is shaped like a glove, like a hand, and it's also weighted. And you actually put, your ha- put the hand on, on the baby um, when they go down. And those things tend to keep them in a bit of a day- deeper state. And then the last thing would be to use white noise because white noise also keeps them in a deeper state. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about whitening it because last so last night
0: I then was filled with trepidation because I thought, Oh my goodness, you've had a terrible day and usually terrible days lead to terrible nights. (laughs) What I was really surprised, and obviously, as I said, we couldn't wake him up. We ended up doing when he did wake up. He was really happy, and we did some time on his play mat, and he was smiling away and having. And I thought, oh, okay, good. At least you haven't woken up screaming when we've woken you up. That could have happened. So that was step one tick. But then, and we did the bedtime routine, and I it had only been the exact awake time about forty five minutes once I'd finished doing playing uh, play gym bath and feeding. And usually he is so difficult to get down um, in that 45 minute space, but I I walk miles within the house trying to get him, rocking him down. And he, I thought, okay, I'm going to put the white noise on, um, which we don't usually do for him to go into a sleep. I usually put it on at night if he's stirring. And the other thing we did last night is actually for the first time we put him down in his Room And I used the monitor rather than putting him down his room and then bringing him downstairs while we had our meal, which, you know, I thought there's background noise, there's a bit more light and that sort of thing. So even if he does sleep through it, it's probably not maybe as restful. I have no idea. So I thought well, we'll set up the monitor and we'll put him down there. As soon as I put the white noise on, it was just like he just fell asleep on my shoulder almost instantaneously. And then last night he did really well. And I had the white noise much closer to his crib. And I would read somewhere that someone said, you have to have it louder than you think you have to have it for them to, for it to really work. But I've also read in a few places that it can damage their hearing. White noise for babies is, can actually be a bit damaging. So what is the right balance and, and how, do you, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, great. I'm so glad you've brought this up because it is a very important topic. So let's talk about white noise in depth. So first of all, white noise is used because it actually absorbs all other sounds. So that's the reason why it's so useful. Is that you know if a door closes, you know downstairs, or if you guys are talking, it actually absorbs that and the baby doesn't hear it. So it's really, really useful. It's also the sound that your baby that Max heard in utero for a whole nine months. Well, actually, since 24 weeks when his hearing was started to kick in. And so he hears the gurgles and the movements of your blood and of your stomach, and that becomes background or white noise. And so white noise really does dampen um, baby's arousal levels down, and it prevents them from waking. So I am a big advocate of white noise. Having said that, we don't want to play it too loud. And the, um, the correct amount would be about 70, 70, 70 decibels, which is about how we're speaking now. So it's kind of that sort of level of sound that would be appropriate, no louder. I have seen white noise used a lot louder than that just to stop babies crying. So in my practice, when I had very, very, very fussy babies, so highly dysregulated babies with what we call infant regulatory disorders, then we sometimes use white noise for a very short period of time, a little bit louder. And that's actually an off switch that if a mom's ever had a baby who's crying a lot and she turns on the hairdryer, that'll often quieten babies. But you can imagine the sound of a hairdryer that's much louder than 70 decibels. You can't hear a voice through it. And and so I wouldn't use it that loud and I wouldn't use it ongoing that loud. I would use it at 70 decibels. And, you know, you can use it throughout the night gently in, in the in the sleep space. Quite a nice thing to do with a bedtime routine is to put on lullabies as you're putting them down to sleep. And then the minute you actually want them to go to sleep, you pop on the white noise. And I do leave it on loop for the whole night and actually have it playing throughout the night. It definitely does assist with sleep. And it obviously did do that with Max last night as well because he slept well.
0: Yeah, it did. Absolutely. And I think we, we had it a bit further away from the crib and possibly a bit too quiet. So previous nights when we've had it, it hasn't really seemed to make too much of a difference. Some nights it, it had, but I think I probably pumped up the volume of those nights out of desperation, yeah. but, but I put it a bit closer to his crib and yeah, he, he, he did sleep really well last night. So mm. I think I'm going to use white noise. We're also trying to, I think we became a bit too reliant on the dummy rather than Max becoming reliant on the mm. dummy. So we're trying to, because what we also noticed was happening with those 30 minute sleep cycles is quite often it was when the dummy fell out because he was having, and so we thought, well, we're going to remove that as the thing. If he falls asleep without the dummy, mm. it can't provide a disturbance for the dummy falling out. And that's mm. what we did The la- when he Alex drove around the island. We try, we sort of said, let's really try and get him to fall asleep in the car without the dummy. And mm-hmm. he then slept for two and a half hours. Now, whether that's related or not, I don't know, but we're trying now to sort of avoid that. I mean, is that quite a common, sort of, would that be another reason he was maybe waking up a bit earlier than the sleep cycle?
1: Probably not just because okay. the dummy fell out, but I would say, you know, in principle, if, if Max will fall asleep without a dummy, Rather to go, let them go to sleep without a dummy, right. um, and use the dummies when when you have to. I mean, you are we, we will be heading towards probably between about six and seven months um, dummy patrol where they're not able to actually put their dummies in themselves, but we've got to help them do it. Some babies don't do that, but many babies do. But then you know I'll, I'll help you through that as well. But yeah, I mean, look, I I do like dummies, so if, if he needs it, I would use it. The other thing that you mentioned just now, which is really interesting, and in fact I picked up on it on our last um, podcast, or maybe. Two podcasts ago when we were chatting about um you going downstairs and taking him with you in the docker touch from the sleepy head. Mm. And I was actually going to say to you today, leave him upstairs with a monitor on. And so I'm so glad to hear you've done that because I think it is best, you know, you know, I think that we get very anxious because we think, oh my goodness, we're gonna leave him completely alone and will we hear them if they're awake and will will they be okay? But um if he's got a monitor in the room, I think that's a spot on thing to do. So
0: yeah, I think Yeah, it and cool. it's it's a video monitor. So I had it set up and the mm. the, the the screen that we have, it does actually go into like a screensaver where it switches off and it just shows you if there's, and then it will switch on again if there's movement. But I just kept pressing it on and watching (laughs) it on constantly (laughs) more than anything, just because it looks so cute, all peaceful. But the the other thing I was just going to, asked and I we've mentioned reflux before but he does seem to be spitting up a lot more than he was so in, in weeks four to five he or sort of back end of week three he started spitting up and, and he is doing it a lot more than he did he didn't do it at all in the first sort of three weeks three and a half weeks so I just want is that a developmental thing as well or is there some should I am I needing to change positioning breastfeeding or mm. for him to be more upright or, or something
1: yeah. So first of all, you, you're seeing the doctor today and I'd probably just check out his weight gain and I would probably hazard a guess. It's really, really good. So I, I would say probably he's gaining, you know, a kind of, you know, good 150 to 200 grams a week. And if he's doing that, I would then start to just watch how closely I'm feeding him. So how often are you feeding him during the day at the moment?
0: It varies. It, sometimes it's two hours, sometimes it's three to four hours. Sometimes I'm having to wake him because it's coming up to over four hours, but obviously not in the last two days. But for example, Friday, it was five hours because I just couldn't wake him. Mm. I started trying to wake him around four hours, and he takes a really long time to wake up. <laughs> yeah. And I have to, I have to make sure he's fully awake because otherwise he just has a few sucks and then he falls asleep on the boob again. So, sure. so yeah, sometimes it can be a really long time, and other times he can kind of. It's in the mornings, he kind of cluster feeds a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, look, I mean, what we definitely do say is in the early days, demand feed. And I know that that's what you've done to an extent. And that is why you've got such a good, robust milk supply. So, that's really fabulous. The question comes in at what point can we start to put in a little bit of a feed routine? And my suggestion is that if he's gaining weight really well, which I think he is, you can actually start to stretch his feeds through until about three to four hours. And, you know, I don't think for breastfed baby, four hours rigidly is reasonable, but anywhere between three and four hours is a good idea. Now, what that does do is that can start to prevent a little bit of that reflux happening because sometimes you know, we're just feeding too often and particularly with babies who are gaining weight really well and moms who've got very good milk supplies. And so I think I would start with that. I would start at that point and see whether or not that decreases the um, reflux. He must feed by four hours. So I know that you were battling to wake him, but I mean, I would almost start waking him at three hours. if, If it looks like he's moving through, then I would start waking him at three hours so that he can actually feed by four hours for certain so you've got you know kind of waking up to feed not that if he wake if he needs a feed after two hours rather walking with him and taking for a walk in the garden or show him things and then just stretch him through until three hours because if he's gaining weight well then that would be very reasonable and that also i mean i know you're not having a problem with this but for, for moms who are, are having that two hours at night waking so there's very very regular wakings at night that's often because we're feeding too often in the day because they not get our babies kind of get you they almost like their constitutions get used to just having very frequent feeds and so if you're doing that in the day that'll happen at night so the minute babies are gaining weight well are approaching six weeks of age and then we need to start stretching them through into about three to four hours between day feeds and then at night we don't wake them obviously let them wake themselves yeah and it's interesting
0: because at night he is i mean he goes at four to five hours initially and then you know, two to three hours after that, and what's interesting is he doesn't have any reflux at night. He, there's no, he doesn't stick mm-hmm. up at night at all. So I'm guessing that's probably because it is going. He is going longer, and that the kind stretch. of shows exactly it proves your, exactly what you're saying. So he, in the day, he's getting it too regularly, and at night mm-hmm. when it's more spaced out. He's not having the reflux.
1: Yeah. And it's really difficult because you get some quite, I mean, not with you because he hasn't got extreme reflux, but when you've got severe reflux, you often get advised to do very small feeds. And so mom ends up doing like just one side every two hours. And my feeling is that that actually exacerbates the problem rather than solves it. I, I think that they need time to empty their tummy before they have the next feed coming through, which is why a nice three hour stretch is what you should be doing, or you know, three to four.
0: Yeah, because he actually, one of the things I, I, because he was being sick quite a bit, I I was feeding on both boobs and sort Mm. of he would do, drain one boobs and then I'd burp him a bit and then go on to the next. And sometimes he could then, and actually it could happen on the first and the second, he'd start to sort of get quite fussy after a few minutes, he'd pull away and come back on, pull away. And so what I've started doing, as soon as he starts doing that, I actually just stopped the feed because I realized that I think he was full. That was after a while. He was almost like he was full, but the boob was there, so he kept latching onto it and, and that did seem to help a little bit. He doesn't cry afterwards. It's almost like he, he's had enough. I just need to read his signals about saying, I'm yeah. full now. You're you're still putting this boob in my face. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's that's kind of in, again in line with the overfeeding thing.
1: Excellent that you're reading those signals. I had a question about the app
0: very quickly on the mm. sleep um pattern piece, when I've noticed they're sort of shaded, faint square. So is that, what are they? Are they sort of a guide of when he should be asleep or ha- yeah. what are they?
1: Those are the approximate times. So those are based on the awake times. So what happens is that we take the awake times and his awake time at the moment, as we know, is 45 minutes to an hour. He's actually more like an hour now, by the way. So, you know, it's six weeks old, it's an hour. And so what you'll find is that those shadings will be an hour after he's woken in the morning As a guide. And obviously, if he wakes later than 6 a.m., because that's based on 6 a.m., so if he wakes later than 6 a.m., it will move out. But what you'll start to see is your own routine actually developing out of that. So he won't necessarily. And that's why, you know, many years ago, there was a very rigid routine book that came out. I think it's still around. And it was like every baby in the whole world went to sleep at nine o'clock in the morning, regardless of what time they woke up type thing, or you had to wake your baby at a certain time. And this is definitely not that sort of rigid routine. It's more the guideline that the average Average baby's waking somewhere between five and seven. And so, therefore, the average sleep time for going down would be at a certain time. And you'll see as he gets older, like now, there's probably four sleeps showing in a day there for you. But as he goes towards six months, it'll be three sleeps. And as he goes towards nine months, it'll be two sleeps. And as he gets to a year, it'll actually start to drop down to one sleep. So, it's what he should be doing approximately.
0: Okay. Because some of them, so that's interesting because, for example, today, just looking at it, there's a couple of Shorter ones, and then a longer, two shorter ones, and then a longer one at about three thirty, and then obviously, I wishful thinking the whole night.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> yes, no, the whole night, the whole night is not is not necessarily realistic.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's great. That I thought, I, I thought that might be
1: what they were, but mm. I, I hadn't checked. But you know, for your for your newborn babies, I mean, I'm actually having with my app at the moment for my newborn babies. I don't have a rigid. There is no rigid routine because babies are going to sleep as and when they go. So for instance, if their mum's listening, who looking at the app and wondering why there's only two sleeps for their baby, that's just because we don't really log, we, we don't really prescribe how many sleeps should be happening at that age.
0: Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I I sort of observed, and I think for, for mums in general, you know, I've certainly noticed in the first few weeks, I was I feel like I was a lot more calm and almost less kind of oh he's doing that is that normal why is Mm. why do you think you know in the last couple of weeks his poos have changed color or he got a bit of baby acne at one point or as I say the reflux increased and I think I've sort of entered into that phase where you do look at things you think is that normal should I be checking that I don't know Mm. and it is a you know it, it is a horrid Thing because you don't want to be too relaxed about things, mm-hmm. but at the same time you don't want to sort of overthink everything, and it's it's that adjustment period of finding that balance of spotting what you need to be aware of, and it's quite it, it's tough, and I, I think uh, it, all mums are going through that period, mm-hmm. and especially the first time.
1: Yeah. No. Well, look. I mean, it's not even the, just the first time. It's even the third time. I can remember when my third baby was born, and I had written Baby Sense, and it was a bestseller already. And and I, a mom actually wrote to me, and I had a huge community of mums following me online, and she said, "You're so lucky. Third baby. You've written these bestsellers. You're going to know exactly what to do." And in actual fact, I wrote a blog about it because I felt just as insecure as every other mum did, because you second guess everything you're doing, and you question exactly what's going on for your baby all the time, and so that does not go away because you you know there, there isn't a textbook for parenting and there isn't a textbook baby either. And so, you know, we have lots of questions. What was very interesting was I spent time yesterday, I had lunch with a pediatrician here on the island and he was saying to me that he thinks that about 90% and potentially more of doctor's visits, pediatrician visits and, and GP visits for babies under the year under the age of one are for well babies. And it's actually only 10% that are for babies that actually need to be there. And the reason is exactly what you've said is that, you know, we, we have so many questions about, you know, why is he waking so much at night, or you know, what do those spots on his face mean? And yeah. for most of ninety percent of everything, it's actually just a stage they're moving through. It's some hormones, and they'll come out the other side absolutely fine. And ninety percent of inquiries that go through our mind are actually just totally typical. And in fact, what he was saying, which was really interesting, was that he thinks that's the value of the Parent Sense app because he said, you know, if if mums can have their questions answered on an app without having to go to the doctor. That you know decreases the expense for them and for medical systems, mm-hmm. and it allows doctors to focus on things that are are important, which are the babies who are in real in real distress and in real trouble. So yeah, but it is like that. You 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 second guess everything. Is this normal? Will he survive it? <laughs> am I am I yeah. am I being negligent?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, even you know the, when he first got his baby acne, Alex would have said, "Oh, he's got you know this." some spots for it. and I said no that's completely normal and mm. within a couple of days I was looking at him like what well, is it normal I should check I mean I just, just <laughs> I've said it's normal but if it's yeah. not normal I need to yeah. check this um, mm. anyway but luckily I just asked lots of people is this
1: normal <laughs> Did yeah. You have This, yeah and they are completely normal there's little white spots that are called miller which means milk milk spots and those come and they go away the very very critical thing not is not to touch those spots mm. because you can scar your baby's face or you know their neck so you know, leave them well alone. The only time we really do worry is is if something is um seeping, and so if there's if there's kind of a, a rash that's gooey and wet, and particularly if there's a really raw and red rash around the bum, we want to get that sorted out really quickly. And so for that, you know, I like using zinc-based barrier creams. Then something like Sudocrem I think works works the best on nappy rash. And an actual fact, Sudocrem can also work on those little pimples as well. So you just pop it on the pimples as well. It's re- it's really lovely, and there's no need for a barrier cream if you baby doesn't have a nappy ration you know i think in the old days going back to tiling nappies 50 years ago you did have to put a barrier cream on with every nappy change you now don't need to do that because the new nappies actually remove the moisture so effectively that actually it's you don't need to do that at all
0: yeah, we, I think with this thrush, we're so back and forth. Just mm-hmm. as his nappy rash recovers, we stop using the pseudocrem. And then a few days later, there'll be a mild nappy rash coming back. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we have to get back. And we sort of said, we'll just put a very thin layer of pseudocrem on it all the time at the moment just because yeah. there's obviously a sensitivity yep. in that area Agreed. and then hopefully when if he ever <laughs> stops having thrush I've heard that maybe a probiotic a baby probiotic might be a good idea so I'm going to speak to the doctor about that today
1: actually that was the very next thing I was going to ask you did they put you on probiotics
0: no, they haven't okay. yet. So I, I'm no, pushing that conversation. Yeah, I'm yeah. pushing that conversation. In fact,
1: you know, to be honest, Cass, I actually use probiotics with with most babies, even if, even if they haven't necessarily had antibiotics. If they've got a um, very frothy poos or if they're a little bit irritable, a probiotic is a really good thing. And they're very, very good probiotics specifically for young babies. And so that's certainly something that he should be on, and almost really that should have been on. I think any baby who's been on antibiotics should have, should be on that. It's the only way that you can. Just, you know, to get the flora back, the gut flora back to its yeah. old state. Well, of course, breastfeeding does it as well. And breastfeeding is really interesting because breastfeeding has these absolutely incredible prebiotics. It's one of the magical components of breast milk and the prebiotics are what feeds the probiotics in the gut. So actually the very best thing you can do for a baby who's been on antibiotics is to breastfeed. But aside from that, I would still pop in an, a probiotic as well.
0: Yeah, no, we're, I'm gonna, going to push that. I did go to the pharmacist to try and get one, but they they hadn't even heard of the option for a young baby here. They only had the sort of slightly older okay. young children. So, But I'm going to speak to the doctor yeah. today for that because I think that will, well, hopefully that will make a difference because it doesn't seem to be, the, the medication doesn't seem to be doing anything. So, and yeah. it's really, you know, it makes breastfeeding hard work because mm. I've got to put a gel on my mm. boob before mm-hmm. he can. Feed. I've got to make sure I'm cleaning my nipple after every feed, putting on fresh breast pads after every feed, and then I've got to, you know, make sure I'm remembering to give him his medication. It's quite tricky if he is finally falling asleep, and I have to think, no, you still have to have your medication. (laughs) So, so luckily, breastfeeding has been relatively easy Mm. outside of that. But you Mm. know, it'd be really nice to just be able to to put him on the boob um, without having to think, oh, where's the medication, and where's my new breast pads, and where's this? I've got to. sure i've got everything in front of me yeah or send alex running around the
1: house trying to gather everything <laughs> find everything no but but it's good that you've mentioned that because those are all things that you have to think about when your baby's got thrush because you don't want to you can keep you can get into a cycle of your breast gets thrush gives it to him he gives it back to you it is a cycle so yeah Good, Cass. Will enjoy Nax's birthday today. Thank it's you. five-week-old birthday. It
0: seems only right he's going to a doctor and his birthday <laughs> after his start to life.
1: Well, is this your first visit back? No, <laughs>
0: this is. Our oh, first. because you had
1: your, your, your previous
0: threshold. Because we've got three. Yeah, we've had to get yeah. three repeat prescriptions. Yeah. So yeah, lesson.
1: Oh, good, well, Cass. Well, have a good
0: day. Thanks very much, Meg. We'll you too. Soon. Bye. Bye.
2: Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.